0: Hello beautiful humans, Aaliyah Chan here and welcome to Human First Podcast, a space where I talk to inspiring individuals about their mental health journey in an effort to increase mental awareness, normalize struggle and end stigma. Together we embrace hope and celebrate all parts of the human experience. As a mental health podcast, I acknowledge that these sensitive matters may be triggering for some. If you are in crisis, Please reach out to the crisis center in the area that you live in or call 911. Your safety is top priority, so please always listen in a way that feels comfortable and safe for you to do so. Thank you so much for joining me here. Today on Human First Podcast, I chat with the lovely Christina Ferreira. At the beginning of 2020, Christina suffered a tonic-chronic seizure and was later diagnosed with epilepsy. The week after her diagnosis, BC went into complete lockdown due to COVID-19. Christina shares with us the state of her mental health during this time as she noticed depression settle in, all while working as a registered nurse at the peak of the pandemic. Christina highlights the need to slow down, listen to the body, and put the self first to heal. I hope you all enjoy the episode. Thank you, Christina, for joining me on the podcast today. I was looking over your bio and your story, what you sent me before, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about your story. I think personally for me, actually, I don't know too much about what you're going to be talking about, so I'm just really excited to learn from you today and just really hear what this last sort of year has been it's been
1: a lot from what i get. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Honestly, I'm so excited to dive into my story and a little bit of a healthcare background of what the pandemic has been like. So, yes. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, I
0: think that's a piece which surprisingly I haven't had on the podcast. Like starting this in the <laughs> pandemic, you'd think that that would kind of be more at the forefront. So, I think for sure that part of your story yeah, people are going to relate to and, and learn from you. So um, as you probably know, I really do like to turn it over just to my guests and, and wherever their journey begins is kind of just how I like to start the episode. So if it's okay, I'll turn it over to you and, and get you going there.
1: Awesome. Well, I guess I'll start. So I am 29 years old. I've been a registered nurse for five years, I guess going on six coming up. Okay. Um, I was working primarily on an inpatient unit, at Vancouver General Hospital and it just became a lot. And I guess I'll Mm. kind of start, I'll start um, January of 2020 because I think within my personal life, I had so many things that changed and it really did impact my work life, Mm. which made me rethink what my work-life balance really looked like. Okay. Um, So January, 2020, I was I had worked three shifts. I had my first day off. Uh, Something that I love to do on my time off was spin. I've been active for a very long time, but Mm -hmm. I was spinning all the time. I I loved the studio I was going to. So I went to a morning class. It was there at 8 a.m. and I felt totally fine, was not anything abnormal. I get on the bike, we're a few songs in and all of a sudden this thought hits my head and... I just remember thinking, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time breathing. Something Mm. feels like something's not right. Okay. And I blacked out right after that. And I woke up at the back of the spin studio with all these people around me with oxygen on my face. Oh my goodness. and, And they were like, okay, do you know what your name is? And I did. And they asked me my address and I couldn't remember it um they asked me my boyfriend's name I couldn't remember it oh my gosh and I immediately burst into tears because I mean there's no worse feeling than waking up and being like I should know my boyfriend's name I should know my address and you know the person the people that were around me were so amazing they were like don't worry we've called the ambulance we've called your boyfriend everybody's on their way uh we think you had a seizure Mm. and I've never had a seizure before. So I I was so at the point, at that point, my brain just felt like it was on fire. I think if anyone has ever had a ground mal seizure or a seizure in general, the post, you just feel like your brain is on fire. And I didn't know that. It was this dull headache that I I could not shake. So eventually I came to. I could remember all those things. The paramedics came, and by the time they saw me, I was totally fine. Um, But they were like, "I think you just passed out." And to any, I think you know, you see a a young girl who's at a skin closet eight o'clock in the morning. They're like, "Okay, you probably overdid yourself, and we're gonna take you to the hospital." But I think you just passed out, and that was kind of the 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 theme that kept running for a really long time. Um, the doctor in emerge had also, they had scanned my head and he's like, we didn't find anything in your scan of your head. Like there was no lesions or anything. And I'm like, okay. oh gosh, oh, I can't even, I didn't even think that you would find anything, but it right. didn't even cross my mind at all. Yeah. So they started doing all this cardiology and so heart follow yeah. up afterwards and something just never, it just didn't sit well with me. So mm. The instructor, I at the time I was working at the Spin Studio. Okay. Uh, so the instructor and the manager both reached out to me, and they were, you know, asking how I was doing, and I explained, you know, they just think I passed out, and it was across the board. Absolutely not. That was not a pass out. I've that is something okay. I've heard before. Okay. Um, they, they saw you,
0: kind of, I guess, fall off the bike. Like, what did that look like for them? So
1: what happened, it, so in that period where I blacked out, I guess I had unclipped myself from the bike, which is incredible, I don't know how, <laughs> yeah, safety first, <laughs> yeah. you just I, un- I unclipped on the bike, and I just laid on the ground, and I just, oh wow, for like a minute, and it was, and I, apparently people were screaming, and I, I mean, obviously I have no idea, but okay, I guess at that time, there was also an emerge doctor thankfully in the class with me wow. and the fire department is also next door to the spin studio so yeah if you're you, gonna have something yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of the best case scenario in this worst case scenario sort of situation yeah totally yeah. yeah
1: so yeah it was that was what they saw and okay. um so to hear that and and keep in mind also the aftermath was still affecting me. I still had a lot. I had a wicked headache. My thought process was so off. I, um, it took me actually several weeks to kind of get back to normal.
0: Okay. Were you able to remember things immediately after though, you know, I'm just, you know, when you couldn't remember like your address and your boyfriend's name, like how was that recall?
1: Um, I mean, it, it took, it probably took, I think they said like half an hour. I mean, obviously in that, in that time, I had no idea timeframes, but I think by like the half hour mark, I had started to come to and those things I should know. I, I recalled again. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it, it was so wild trying to then take what people had told me as well. I did connect with the eMERGE doctor that took the class with me and she confirmed it as well. And, you know, was like, you really need to push to have a neurology consult or have someone look at your head because the scan wasn't enough. You know, all, all of my heart tests were all coming back normal. Mm. Um, so I went to my family doctor and at this time I wasn't even comfortable driving because My ability to make decisions quickly just wasn't there. Okay. So my dad had to drive me to my doctor's office, and, you know, she seemed a little skeptical. She said, You know, I've got the report here. It says you've passed out. I'll give you the consult to go see a neurologist, but I really don't feel like this is plausible. I think you're totally fine. I think you might have been really dehydrated, you might have been very exhausted. Right. So I think it was a month later, I went to go see my neurologist. He did the, it's called an EEG. Um, and what they do is they put all these probes on your head and they monitor your brain activity right. um, and they do different stimulus. So for example, you'd be lying down and they flash lights at your eyes. Um, they monitor what your brain does when you're hyperventilating, just having right. conversations, things like that.
0: Right.
1: And I went and got that test and I just had this gut feeling because the, the woman who did the test for me was very experienced. She actually was en route to retirement. So she, she had been doing it for a really, really long time. And so we were kind of chatting and I was telling her my story and she said, you know, the doctor will get at the start of the session. She was like, you know, They'll get back to you in a few weeks. Don't be panicked if they don't get back to you. No news is good news kind of thing. Right. And then at the very end of the session, once everything was done, she looked me dead in the eye and said, he'll probably contact you in the next few days. And I immediately and so many people were like, Christina, don't look too much into it. <sighs> but I knew yeah. I, I feel I just I, I feel in that moment.
0: Yeah, something
1: wasn't Right. Right. So uh, a month after that, I get a call from my neurologist and yeah. he was like, okay, so we have your results back. And I was on my way to working a night shift at work. So okay. I was, I had actually completely forgotten about this appointment that we had had okay. on the phone. Okay. Um, but he's like, yeah, you have epilepsy hmm. and I'm remember standing in my living room and, and grabbed me a piece of paper and having to write the word epilepsy down on oh yeah. because I just was like I don't think I heard that I don't right. feel like I there's no way yeah and he's like you're gonna have to start meds right away and what oh. pharmacy should we send it to it was just so it was so much that I didn't even know how to digest it at all
0: Yeah. I can imagine you weren't even digesting it at all. You were probably what I'm kind of, I mean, even just you telling the story, it's as if just someone's talking at you sort of thing. And you're just like, sure. But that processing piece wasn't totally there. Yeah, just for
1: for sure. And it, and it wasn't. So, you know, my boyfriend came home, I told him, and then, you know, at the time my my neurologist was like, you know, you can't drive. (laughs) I was like, um, Okay. So I guess you're going to drive me to work. He's like, you can't go to work. You literally just found out. And I'm like, I have to, I mm-hmm. start in like 45 minutes. I can't not go. Yeah. And so I went to work and I just bawled. I feel like <sighs> it kind of hit me as soon as I saw people from work right. and I, and yeah. they were, you know, asking how I was doing. And I just sobbed. I'm like, I can't believe it. I have epilepsy. That's just wild. Oh my goodness. And
0: I think it's just so just, I mean, just hearing you tell the story, right? Like I'm getting this sort of sensation where your life sort of just changes like quite quickly and you're you're just going to a spin studio. You're just doing what you usually do on your day off. And then from that moment, two months afterwards, getting a diagnosis like that, I mean, your lifestyle has, I can imagine has changed. Like just, just how you approach your life has changed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it And it did. There were a lot of things that, I mean- the irony of this all was I think I got diagnosed on March 6th. And I think the week later was when everything shut down. Right. So it was this <sighs> really twisted blessing in disguise because it did, it forced me to take the time to not jump right back into things, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I'm i definitely yeah. the type of person where, in my day, I probably have 50 things planned and I just, I, you know, pull, I try and do as much as I can in one day. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously to the point where my body said, no, this is not going to work for you anymore. You have to teach yourself to slow down. So I learned a lot of lessons in that month of March.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, oh my, slowing down, hey, yeah, definitely the theme for that
1: month Yeah, for you for sure. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, going forward from that moment, you know, my work was amazing. And uh, obviously, as soon as I said, I have epilepsy, my manager was so amazing at trying to work yeah. with me because i mean with people who have epi- i mean so with epilepsy in general
0: mm-hmm. a
1: lot of people have different triggers uh so for example so in that test that they did when they're trying to flash lights at me to see what my yeah. brain activity was they're trying to see okay what are the triggers and for right. me it's 100% stress and lack of sleep which okay. a nurse working days and nights in a high stress environment, it just doesn't, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I was able to switch all my nights to days and, you know, that was kind of the first start of making a change in my work environment that allowed me to, you know, have this new diagnosis and, and continue doing what I was doing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just being able to have more of a routine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I actually, I mean, I I do have healthcare workers in my family and then even clients who are nurses or just other healthcare professionals Mm -hmm. that switching back from day to night, I truly don't know how you all do it.
1: I know (laughs) that's so tough. You know what it's, I mean, I had, I did it for, I'll say three, three and a half, maybe four years. And you just get used to it, and I think mm. I'm sure a lot of healthcare workers would probably tell you the same. You just yeah. get into this rhythm, but you know, leading up to my my grandma's seizure in January, I had started to experience weird twitches. It sounds mm. so wild, but you know, I come home from a night shift, yeah, and you know, so it's seven a.m. by the time I are seven thirty by the time I get home, and if someone was staying at my place, for example, I would come home if it was super stressful, I'd come home, I'd start twitching. I, mm. My speech was all, stu- like I was stuttering and my brain just felt like it couldn't get an idea together. Okay. And so this was kind of when, when the neurologist is asking, oh, has, have you had anything before? And I'd explain, I do this after a night shift. It is so weird and I'm very self-conscious about it.
0: Okay, so you you were aware of this prior to, but maybe just didn't pay attention to
1: it. You just thought,
0: oh, it's something that I do.
1: Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm okay. exhausted. I'm yeah. so tired. my body is is telling me to slow down. Right. And I just kept pushing through it.
0: Hmm.
1: So it, I think listening to that was, you know, when I got the diagnosis and, and going backwards, yeah, it all made sense again. I was okay. I'm like, okay, well, that was obviously very beyond my control, and there was a lot more going on than I than I knew. Right.
0: Yeah. So it's like, I mean, isn't that usually the case? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> like, we have all these signs, but we don't know what we're supposed to pay attention to. Especially, I diagnose these like epilepsy, right? Like, I mean, I don't, like, I as I was saying in the beginning, I don't know too much about epilepsy. And I probably wouldn't unless I've probably been through it or know someone who, who's been through it. And so for you receiving that diagnosis, now you're able to look back and say like, Hey, there are signs, but that's so tough
1: Yeah. when you don't know what to look for. Yeah. I mean, with. yeah. I mean, the irony of, of it all is, you know, I, I usually am pretty good. I feel with things that don't seem right. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty quick to go, I, I mean, my, I think my family doctor, I think by the time I was like, I need a neurology console was tired of seeing me for multiple <laughs> things. So, so I mean, I, I, I guess with that, I just was like, no, I just think I'm tired. I yeah. think this is normal. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people do weird things when they're past the point of exhaustion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue a lot of us probably actually reached that point. Maybe not to the extent that we're having seizures, but pushing ourselves because of the productivity culture, right? It's almost celebrated to be tired and be so busy that, heck, if we're like, yeah, falling asleep on on our ride home, we're like, oh, that was a good day. You know what I mean? But then we have to think back and say, "Mm,
1: is it? Is that... should we be normalizing this? I don't know. Absolutely. And I think that is such a huge take home is, is you can do as many things as you want in a day and try and pack in as much as you want, which is what I was notorious for doing, but there were consequences to it. Eventually my body and my mind were like, absolutely not. This is it. You can't do this to yourself anymore. So It was a massive wake up call that obviously I did not want, but right, it was something that I needed. And it was something for the first time in, at the time I was what, 28 or 27, but yeah. it's just something that I never listened to ever. Right. I was so good. I think when you're, when you're working the days, you're working the nights, you're so good at kind of pushing past. A lot of these cues because, mm-hmm. yes, when it's three o'clock in the morning, your body's probably telling you it's time to sleep, but you have patients that you're taking care of. Yeah. Yeah. And so you learn to push past a lot of cues that your body is telling you. Yeah. Oh, goodness, the body. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so take us in to now. I mean, uh, not now, but you were talking about how the pandemic right had hit mm-hmm. at the same time you received this news and I kind of want to hear I'm sure the listeners want to hear now right what what that looked like for you because mm-hmm. 2020 was hard for a lot of us though for you too in in another way in a, an additional way and I yeah just what was that year like as you're adjusting to newness everywhere yeah if i can say that
1: yeah of course um so I will start. I mean, I don't work specific or I wasn't working specifically with COVID patients. Yeah. Uh, our unit is, uh, it was a leukemia bone marrow transplant unit. So it's very specific Every Nobody has an immune system there. So yeah. what it looked like for our unit is so different from what it looked like to, to other floors of the hospital, mm-hmm. but the, the change was devastating. It was, these patients now were not allowed to have any visitors and our patients are on the floor on average for a month mm. and having a month of not having any family members in is so devastating. Yeah. And the emotional toll I think that takes on not only the patient, but then the care provider to kind of be that support when they don't have the physical, they don't have their supports there. Yeah. Was devastating. It's yeah, it's it's so sad. And it's still like that now. It hasn't changed, of course. Um, but it it you know, it's you walk into the hospital and immediately, you know, you're asked where you're going, you're you're having to garb up. We were, you know, coming in street clothes, but changing into hospital stuff when we got to work. And it is everyone, no one wanted to be around me because I worked Mm. in a hospital. And yeah, you know it. I mean, living with someone who at the time was just working from home, right? We were having to be extra diligent. Okay, I don't know what I've walked through from going from the floor to home out. You yeah. know, and yeah, the it it was it was very challenging. And you know, sometimes our our patients do end up needing a higher level of care. So they would end up going to ICU or going to these other places. And mm-hmm. the, even knowing that they were going into areas where they had no immune system, but mm. there were other patients that were suffering from COVID there and knowing the strain that it, what it was like there and hearing how they were short staffed, how we were yeah. running out of supplies was just devastating.
0: Yeah. I'm just kind of as you're speaking, getting going back to this time last year, and and I mean, yes, it is so the same still. I mean, nothing really has changed yeah. has changed there, but I'm kind of being taken back to those first few months when it was so scary, and I just can imagine, yeah, for you, for your patients, the support that you're putting in, and every single time you walk through that door, there's probably there was probably just a different level of fear. Yeah. That's what I'm really getting.
1: Yeah. And it absolutely. And it's, it was a level of unknown. It was a level of unknown for everybody. So, you know, things were changing constantly. Things are still changing constantly. And I think the, it's just the ability to try and adapt to whatever new thing was happening. And I just felt like it, that was, that was the theme constantly and still is right.
0: Yeah. And so for you, where you were trying to manage your stress and lack of sleep, Mm -hmm. how was that for you? I I mean, was, I can imagine there was probably still
1: stress. And so just how were you managing? Honestly, it was, it was so hard. And that was, I think that was something I think that started to become a little alert in my head that I needed something different because I think Mm -hmm. being I I care for this unit so much I yeah. I I really do I I've, I've my, spent my whole career there and there were opportunities where I, I was put in more of a leadership role on the unit as well yeah. and I was becoming you know one of the more experienced nurses on the unit and that it just you know with responsibility comes more stress mm. and that just was something that I could not. There were days where I I couldn't sleep at night for sure, because you knew, you know, it was anxiety. I'd go into work and I didn't know what I was walking into and, you know, and we would try and help out our other floors on the unit if they were short staffed, which means you didn't know if you were going to a COVID floor that day. So, right. There was a lot. It was, it was very stressful. It was so stressful. It was, it was points. There were points where I felt that my, my little seizures that I would have, where Mm -hmm. I'd feel like I was doing the motion of doing something, but I wasn't thinking about it. Okay. It's almost like you're on autopilot, I guess, is a good way to describe. You kind of get to a place and you're like, wow, I didn't know. I don't know how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I started to feel. And it, it was like, I just knew something. I needed a change. Something wasn't right there. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I don't, I fast forward several months and once things have really kind of settled and, you know, now at I don't even, I guess let's see September of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had started just to, I feel like my work-life balance at that time, just it was non-existent. I feel right. like if I, If I wasn't at work, I was thinking about work or I was talking about work. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, being in in healthcare, I think a lot of people do turn to you and ask you for advice. Yeah, advice, support, anything, which is which is great. But sometimes when you're having that difficulty of separating work and life, it just makes the more, it makes it harder to separate the two. Right. All the lines were blurred and just being integrated into one for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I did, there was, I mean, I can think of one weekend in September and I had kind of, I had already verbalized to my boyfriend, to my cousin and a few other people. I'm like, yo, I'm starting to feel really depressed. Hmm. And I don't know, there was nothing else I could really describe, but I just, yeah it was just this feeling that these negative thoughts were in my head and I had zero control of it. And it was enough that I felt like, you know, I'm a, I think when people meet me, I'm very bubbly. I can talk to a lot of different people. And for me to say, you know, I'm feeling depressed. I think a lot Mm. of people kind of shrugged it off. It was like, okay, you know, You're having a bad day. Everybody has bad days. You are entitled to a bad day, right? you know? And there was one weekend where we went away to Whistler with my boyfriend's friends. And that weekend was very pivotal in my memory because I'd go and we'd have conversations with his friends and then Mm -hmm. I'd go downstairs and I would cry Mm -hmm. and I would be by myself. And I, I was, it was my uh it was the how I was trying to recharge I would go kind of try yeah. and be bubbly be you know an extrovert and do all the things and then I'd come down and be like oh my gosh that's too much for wow. me and and it was just you know my boyfriend we came home and he was just like okay something's not right and I just like I was in tears and I was like I I, I know something is yeah. not right I I don't have control of this anymore. I don't. Mm-hmm. Because I, I mean I, I,
0: No, no, that's okay. I was just gonna say I'm gonna I'm getting goosebumps a little bit when you're saying that. Cause I think Yeah, just just hearing you say, you know, you're this really outgoing person, you enjoy social time, like you can talk to whoever and this weekend away in whistler, and then you're just going downstairs to cry. Yeah. Because truly you you know didn't have that mental capacity anymore like having a conversation just took so much and and just you talking about that pivotal moment in your life I'm just really getting the sense of what you were going through mm-hmm. and how really difficult it was to hold space for yourself like yeah. there just wasn't any space really
1: no and that is I could not have described it any better I, I do you know you, at that point, I feel like my brain was just so full of just being exhausted, stressed, anxious, yeah. depressed. It was so many emotions that at that time I I had, I had no gas in the tank. I was just, yeah. I was just exhausted in, in every capacity of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it was, it was interesting because it was something I'd never dealt with. It was something that, you know, I've had some from very hard things happen in my lifetime where I didn't respond the this way that, yeah. you know, where every day I was waking up and it wasn't even, you know, I think when a lot of people think about depression, they think about, oh, so all you do is just like cry in bed all day. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, it's just, and to be completely honest, I think before I went through it, I think that's kind of what I thought. Right. Or when someone would talk to me about their depression with me not having had gone through it, it, it was something that I was like, well, you seem fine, you know? And yeah. And so coming home from that trip, I just knew that something had to change. And so I, I went on a stress leave and I took some time off of work and again, work was so good. And they were just like, yeah, you know what? You've got to take care of yourself and, and then became kind of more of my mental health journey. I feel like,
0: okay. Yeah. So before I like asked just about that and just how that's affected your experience now and, and where you are now, um, I just really want to highlight, I think to, again, kind of going back to that productivity culture where we're all told to like work, 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 kind of put yourself to the side, especially in your profession that's exactly what you're technically supposed to be doing you kind of put yourself secondary you're putting your patients first all the time and then especially during the pandemic where you cared for them so much the unit itself was is so meaningful for you I really want to just acknowledge and highlight your ability to to notice that you weren't able to you know best support those around you anymore and there was something missing in your life and again like I think a lot of people sometimes at least some clients that I work with right taking that stress leave is like a sign of weakness I don't want to I don't want to do that especially again as a healthcare worker where you're like well COVID's happening I need to maybe be there for my 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 patients um I mean how was that for you Christina to to just say like hey I I think I'm I think I need time for myself, right? Like I, I'm, I, I've had enough in some way.
1: It was, it was so hard. I mean, I am, I'm so lucky with the people that I do work with because they are, there are family to me and they are people that support me. And I'm so fortunate that way. But I think even the, the days leading up to it, where I discussed with my counselor. I discussed with my and all my supports, and I, you know, I had kind of made this decision that, okay, I need to take this time off, and it. I had to build myself up to that, and yeah, and yeah, it's. I did feel weak. I felt Mm. incredibly weak. It it was, it was something that I just never thought I would get to, and so I feel like to finally be like, no, th- I need to do this for my mental health. I just, you know, I think in healthcare and I can, I can speak for myself only, of yeah. course, but you know, we do focus on a lot of the physical things there's, you know, okay. These patients, mm. have leukemia, we're going to treat that. And, yeah. and of course they go there, they go through a plethora of mental health, challenges during their time with us especially in a pandemic I can't even imagine what that would be like for a patient sitting in that bed but you know I just think that I was so used to kind of treating okay you have this we're giving you this and and you know you feel this I'm going to give you this and for mental health I just feel like it's something that I never focused on
0: Mm. okay yeah I And so again, like, I mean, I'm biased because I'm a accountant, so my whole life is mental (laughs) health, but I
1: think it's so wonderful that
0: you were able to just notice that. And on that note, then Christina, right. How, what did that mental health journey for you look like taking that stress leave, What, what did you get up to? What what happened there for you?
1: (laughs) I think, so I took about two and a half weeks off and honestly, my first, I don't, it's so funny because I feel like looking back on it. Yeah. I just think just having space to separate myself from work was kind of what I needed. So I mean, my friends from work, I had to I had to be very very vocal about what my mm-hmm. boundaries were. I can't talk about work. I don't want to talk about work. We need to just, you know, I I have to completely separate myself. So yeah. I mean, There were days where I'd go for, I mean, I have a lovely dog now that I get to Mm -hmm. go for walks on out, like going outside and going outside, I feel like was something that was so big and living in a beautiful place like Vancouver, there's so many beautiful places to go to. So it was, you know, doing that and just being able to even separate myself from technology, separate myself from a lot of the stressors was one thing that was huge for me. But I will admit there were days where I just never got out of bed. Yeah. And I think, you know, as soon as like my first official day off and I, all I did was cry and and sit in bed and Mm. it it was, it was something I needed, but it was something that I just never gave myself the permission even to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (sighs) I mm, just, yeah, just holding space for that. I think. Again, I, there, there's that weakness piece, right? Maybe a bit of shame and guilt that I'm almost like hearing that you weren't giving yourself permission to do that. I can imagine you wanted to cry. You wanted okay. to lie in bed, but there was something in you that told you no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and then taking that final day off, you, you had the opportunity to do that. And yeah. um, you mentioned it was just something that you needed. You needed yeah. to just stay in bed all day and release everything that was being suppressed in that moment
1: yeah definitely and I mean I have a wonderful counselor I uh, I have been working with for several years now and I think having her alongside me as well just to you know it's always been something that she has discussed with me you know you're very good at at keeping busy at distracting yourself but these things just will come to the surface and and they did and I and All the days where I was super depressed, where I was allowing myself to feel everything, it was overwhelming. It was a very Mm -hmm. overwhelming time. It was something that, you know, my boyfriend had a hard time even. He'd never seen me like that. That's just not a characteristic of myself.
0: Okay. So, and, and, and so, yeah, what was that like for him? I mean, he's not here, but Mm -hmm. how was that to be in a relationship, being with someone who was really, part of that experience with you was there anything that really helped you and that you found to be really supportive
1: yeah he honestly I think a part of my journey with depression uh, a large portion of my success into how I'm feeling today is is because of him I think and and a lot of my supports I think I think for him though it's it's unique when he's living with me and he's he's seeing how I am day to day and that was a huge struggle for him. I mean, there, we had talked about doing a counseling session with my counselor so that he could support me better because I think at that time and especially being the type of man that he is, he's just like, I just need to fix it and I can't fix it. (laughs) And I'm like, trust me, I obviously want to fix it. He just couldn't, come. he needed something tangible and there was a lot of trial and error that I think we had to go through until he got to a point where he was like, okay, this works for Christina, or she doesn't need me to say, this is how you fix it. I just Mm. need to be here. And that was, that moved mountains for me. It was, you know, it was where I felt even in this darkest side of myself that I was just learning that I was just navigating that he had accepted it and still loved me. And I think that that was, that was huge for me. I think it's so,
0: so great that you had and have such a strong support system, especially going through depression. It can feel so alone and isolating and hearing you say that, your boyfriend, of course, a fixer wants a solution and was actually able to take that step back and really tune into what you needed. And if that was just to sort of be there with you, mm-hmm. um, we just, I mean, what, 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 a beautiful process and what a beautiful yeah. like relationship that you guys have that he was able to be that rock for you during this time.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it is something I'm sure if I asked him right now, what the hardest part of our relationship has been or has been, Mm. it probably would be that time. I think I felt very lost, but he felt just as lost watching me feel lost, you know, and that it was, it was very hard. And it, you know, I think in those lowest lows, I, I, I don't even know. Cause it was weird. I, I'd hit kind of like, I guess what you would picture a rock bottom to be or what I yeah. felt like rock bottom was. Yeah. And I felt that every time I was hitting those lows, I was going down there, but I was just coming up enough that I could continue and coast through my day to day. And, you know, it just, it felt so uneasy to constantly hit that almost every day. Right. And trying to come up with solutions as to how to get yourself out of that when you don't see and out, all you see is this very dark tunnel of i've never this sounds so doom and gloom but it's like at that time mm-hmm. i just i ne- i was like i don't think i can ever get out of this
0: yeah and i i yeah doom and gloom for sure but i think in, that's the reality of it mm-hmm. right that's the reality of depression is that People can throw all these solutions at you. Hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Be like, be hopeful, be hopeful. But if you yourself can't see that and can't comprehend that, that's gonna be meaningless to you. And and that's just I mean, that's just the reality of it. Really, really. Um, and I want to check in with you, Christina. Now, what does depression look like for you? Were what helped you? um, gain that sense of hope when you couldn't see that hope?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I still have my counselor, which is, she's phenomenal. I, I mean, there was another very pivotal moment, I think in my, Mm. in one of my sessions with her, where she, she finally hit this point of, of saying, you know what, I've, I've worked with you now for so long and I think you have to start on antidepressants. And Mm -hmm it had been something, I think that I had sort of started, I had accepted in in what I thought I had accepted of being like, maybe this is the solution for me because um, a lot of what my counselor and I had kind of dove into was, okay, so I have, you know, she, she had seen my depression start as soon as I had that seizure in January. And, my life had changed where I felt like I didn't have control of my body and now I didn't have control of my mind. Yeah. And so her watching me grow through that and, and struggle, struggle a lot where, mm-hmm. where she was like, I think, I just think this is the best route for me. I think as soon as she said that it hit something in me, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just, I was so, I have nothing against medications especially when it comes to something like antidepressants. I think that yep. for, I just, for myself, I think with already starting something that I have to take for the rest of my life with epilepsy. Right. And then on top of that, trying to combat if my meds were making me feel a certain way and taking something else was just yeah. something that re- that was really hard for me to hear and kind of made me really put 110% into my mental health. And that meant- that meant journaling every single day that meant that I was having to tell my boyfriend twice a day what I was grateful for whether big small or anything Mm -hmm. and doing things that made me happy and and it for me it it did mean a job switch so I had to you know leave a place Mm -hmm. uh, to go somewhere else and and really give myself the ability to to give myself a break so I mean all of those things for myself really worked and of course I have my low days but they're just not as rock bottom as they used to be
0: Wow. Okay. And and so just to clarify, so then you didn't take the antidepressants? I didn't. No.
1: And it was, yeah. So I had a, I did have an appointment with my uh, family doctor again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I had talked to her about it and, and she was, she's pretty open. I think with having a healthcare background as well, I think there's, you know, she's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, to be honest, I want to have this discussion with you because I do want a bit of a follow-up but I just don't feel like I'm ready for that right now. And I, I feel like I want to actually try putting in a little bit more work. And then if all else fails, that that's kind of what I want to go to. Yeah. And I totally recognize that's not everybody's journey. I think, I don't know. I, I feel so fortunate as to where I am right now. And I think to even feel like it, I had my, my birthday in March and I think, you know I did I was so emotional because Mm -hmm. the previous year it was just not like that it was you know I was so down I was so defeated and I think to kind of look back on the past year and come somewhat on top and feeling like I could actually be in a space where I could be grateful for what was around me was euphoric it was amazing
0: you were giving me so many chills this morning. Oh my goodness! Wow, Chrissy, I could cry. Like that is so beautiful. That so much has happened in this last year for you. Yeah. So incredibly much. And last March compared to this March, I don't even think I have words. Or maybe you can tell me the how you're feeling. Like really, truly, what are What does this mean to you? Like, what are you? What have you felt this
1: this month? A year later,
0: just after everything, I
1: I am so I am so grateful. I honestly I I'm so you know I and a lot of people can attest to this. I'm sure you go through any some any sort of down, any sort of low, any sort of big pivotal life change event that happens to you, and it just really highlights who your supports are. Yeah. It's so hard to not be grateful for those people because you just don't realize, you know, I think with depression, especially, you're you feel alone. And then to combat that and see all these people around you and be like, oh my gosh, I'm just I'm not alone. And you it's it's so beautiful and I'm so happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I can feel the happiness through the screen. (laughs) Thank you for this energy and happiness today. And I think that is a a huge takeaway in terms of of depression right yeah you do feel so isolated and there are so many people that want to be there for you and will be there for you if you need them to be and it sounds like that was what got you through this year is just recognizing and really being thankful for those people who helped you through this
1: for sure yeah i i there's no better way to sum it up i agree
0: oh I think that's just a lovely way to like wrap our conversation that was, um, thank you. So thank you for sharing, Christina. Like again, what a jam-packed year it was for you, so to say, and just to hear how um, fortunate you feel through it all, it's just a testament to you as a person, I think, and just the beautiful strength that people really do have um, within them. And so thank you for providing us with, with that today.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me again. Honestly, I'm, I'm always more than willing to share my story, but I'm very happy to be able to share it with you. Thank you
0: so much. Um, before we end, I do have my three little questions that I like to ask each guest. This first question, you might actually have a hard time picking, but about <laughs> gratitude But is my first question. Um, what are you grateful for?
1: Um. Well, I guess I'll just, I'll just, keep rolling off of it. My- yeah. <laughs> I'm just so thankful for the people that I have around me.
0: Yes. I think that's a wonderful thing to be thankful for. <laughs> um, my second question is what makes you feel like your best self?
1: I would have to say, honestly, moving my body in any way makes me feel like my best self. I, yes, that is what I have to say for yeah. sure. Being outside, I'm moving my body. It's the best. It is the best. Feels so good. And my third question is, what
0: does being human mean to you?
1: I think it's just being authentic to yourself and it's embracing the good and the not so good and just learning how to navigate that. Which you did so beautifully this year. Thank you again,
0: Christina, for jumping on the podcast with me today.
1: Thank you so much.